Well, hey, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you turn to two different passages? We're going to be going through a ton of scripture today, but two uh, main ones I want you to be able to go home with circles and highlights and notes in your Bibles about. And that's Philippians chapter 3 and Proverbs chapter 16. Philippians 3 and Proverbs chapter 16. We're continuing our series, Fearless, and the whole idea behind it is that we live in a world with a lot of scary things going on. It's easy for us to be filled with fear, but God's called us to be a people who are fearless, that that's who we're called to be as the church. And before we can be a fearless church, we must first become a fearless people. And today we're going to be talking about the fear of missing out. And that might not seem like a very important fear. He'd be saying, like, why on earth are we talking? That's like a, a nobody baby fear. Let's talk about the fear of spiders or the fear of possums, because those things are ugly and disgusting and they're from <laughs> hell, probably. Or let's talk about the fear of people who own cats. We need to get some <laughs> scriptural wisdom into this whole situation. But the fear of missing out is something that affects every single one of us, and it's actually a very powerful fear inside of our lives. Because what the fear of missing out is, is it's a pervasive apprehension that others might be having rewarding experiences that we aren't a part of. Yeah. It's the fear that we're missing out on an opportunity. It's an anxiety that we might never find satisfaction because we made wrong choices somewhere along the line. And what happens is as this fear begins to creep into your life, uh, Satan will use this to actually paralyze you and keep you from doing anything. Because we know as believers that we were created for good works in Christ Jesus. That's what we are here for. It's why God didn't just beam us up to heaven when we made a decision to follow him. Because there are incredible kingdom things that God has called every one of us to. Things that he prepared for us to do before we were even a twinkle in our parents' eyes. We will have, I mean, God wants to pour out his blessing on his people more than you can even measure. It says more than you can measure, more than you could ever contain. God wants to pour out his blessing on his people, not so that we can hoard it for ourselves and enjoy it. It is enjoyable, but it's so that we can then bless the nations that are around us, the people that are inside of our families, our friends, our workplace. God has called us to be a people that receive his blessing and then pour it out onto the people that are around us, to be those who see his kingdom advance as we fearlessly proclaim the gospel of Jesus. But if you have a fear of missing out inside of you, what it's going to do is keep you from living out those things that God called you to. Because you'll be so afraid of missing out on something that you'll never actually do anything. And I think there are two primary ways that we see this play out in regards to faith. Because it happens in every area of life, in business, and relationships. I mean, how many of you guys uh, you know, never asked someone out that you wanted to in fourth grade because you were afraid that they were going to dump you? Or then you thought, well, if I go out with them, then there might be someone better that comes along, but I'm committed to them. I mean, the fear of missing out plays into every area of our life, and it's especially devastating in the area of faith. Because there's two ways that it really affects us. And the first one is the fear of missing out on what the world has for us. We're scared of missing out on the things that the world offers us. And when Ann and I moved here, we found this great restaurant called Palio, and we love it. And we went there, we're dining on the rooftop in the summertime, which is way better than rooftop in the wintertime here. And I remember, we didn't know, it's your first time there. So we're looking at the menu, and there's this goat cheese ravioli. And I'm like, hey, I like goats, let's go for this. And so I remember they brought the dish to me, and I'm enjoying the atmosphere, and I take the fork, and I put that first stuffed ravioli in my mouth, and it was just like, 
where have you been my whole life? It was just one of those moments where the angels are singing, you're slumping back in your chair, you're mad that nobody told you about this beforehand, you think, I have no real friends in my life. And it was so good, and Anna, she got the same thing. It was like, oh my gosh, this is the best dish we've ever had. And so every time we go back now, we only order the goat cheese ravioli. Now there's a million other things on the menu, but you know what my fear is? That I'm going to order the filet tips, which seem like they're pretty good, but I'm going to get them and they're going to be terrible, and I'm going to wish that I had the goat cheese ravioli, because now I've wasted my time and my money on something I didn't like when I could have had something better in the goat cheese ravioli. So this fear of missing out on something good keeps me from trying new things, going somewhere different. My love for what I already know keeps me from anything else in life, at least in the paleo menu in the summertime. But that same thing happens to us spiritually. We can love the world around us so much what we already know that we're not willing to make sacrifices to go after what it is that God's called us to. And Jesus addressed this in Matthew chapter 13. This is going to be lengthy, so it'll be up on the screen. But in 3 through 9, it says, Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. And as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. And the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears should hear and understand. Now the disciples, are sitting there listening to this, and there's a big crowd around them, and they're his 12, so they want to look real smart. And so they're the people, you've probably heard them before in service, like, oh, that's good. Oh, that's so good. So, 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 so good. The pastor could be reading the dictionary, and they're like, mm, that's a good word. And this is what the disciples are doing. They're like, oh, that's, that's good. That's deep, Jesus. I totally understand what's going on here. You don't? Oh, you're not as spiritual as me. And so then it says that they get alone with Jesus, and they're like, what on earth were you talking about? Like, Jesus, why do you talk to us in parables? We have no idea what you're talking about, and we look stupid in front of everybody else. And so Jesus explains it to them. He says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell in the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much has been planted in them. So Jesus is using this whole farm analogy, and he says the people that don't They hear the message of the gospel and like nothing happens. They hear about God loves them, that he came down in human flesh, that he died for their sins on the cross to atone for them, and that he was raised from the grave so that we can have new life in him. And they hear that message and they're like, that makes no sense whatsoever. That's got to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And what that is, that's the seed that the bird comes and steals away. It doesn't fall on fertile soil. But then some people, they hear that same message, and they're like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Jesus, you are awesome. I put my faith and my trust in you. But they never go beyond that. 
They never put down any roots. They never grow deeper into their faith. So when any kind of hardship comes along because there's no roots to keep them grounded, they end up walking away from the faith. And then there's another type of soil that it falls on. And this is what we're talking about today is it falls on the soil. You hear the message that Jesus proclaimed. You're excited about it. You follow after him. You start putting down roots inside of it so you can withstand persecution. But there's weeds that are growing around you. And those weeds are competing for the same resources that the seed of the word of God is competing for in your life. I don't know if any of you guys have ever attempted any farming. I grew up on a hobby farm, and I, I remember one time trying to grow some strawberries, and I planted the seed, I prepared the soil, it was good soil, but then weeds started to grow up around it. And I didn't pull the weeds because I was a kid and I was lazy and it didn't seem like a lot of fun on a hot summer day. And the plant kept growing, but no strawberries were ever produced. Because all of the nutrients, all of the water that the plant needed to produce the fruit was being taken away by the weeds that were growing around it. And Jesus is saying, this is what happens to us. There are weeds inside of our lives that grow up naturally. You don't have to plant weeds, they're there. They find a way to grow up. But if we don't pull these weeds that are growing up in the soil of our heart, they're going to compete with the word of God inside of us and the call of God upon us. And eventually, we might still be following Jesus. We might still have, you know, be someone who's saved and on our way to heaven. But your life will never bear any fruit. You will never make any kingdom difference because all of these other things that are going on inside of your heart, uncontested, unchecked, unpulled, keep you from living out the call of God on your life. And that happens to every single one of us. It's the natural inclination of the fallen human heart. And what we have to do is we have to be those that say, the call of God and what he has for us is worth so much more than anything else that I'm willing to pull up these weeds that are competing with the call of God in my life. And this is the way it is for every single one of us. We have different weeds. It might be... Uh, you know, like, you're pursuing power. Your career is really important to you. It might be sexual immorality. It might be that you love partying. It might be all of these other things that are natural desires inside of the human heart. Maybe you're really into things. You're a materialist. But as long as you continue to allow those things to exist inside of your heart, it's going to choke out that seed that God planted inside of you when you made a decision to follow him. But if we will pull out those weeds that are competing for us, then we will bear fruit 30, 60, 100 times what it is that was put into us. And wouldn't you love, what God's done in your life is miraculous. Wouldn't you agree with that? Aren't you excited about what it is that Jesus has done inside of you? Wouldn't it be great to see that happen in 30, 60, 100 other people because of your submission to Jesus in your life? Isn't that worth pulling out every single weed that's in there? But what happens is we love these weeds. We fertilize them. We sing songs to them at night. We name them. We groom them. It's hard for us to pull them up by the root. We love the things of this world. But if we follow after these things, if we continue to allow the old desires that we have to dominate our lives, it's going to end up destroying us. And this is what happens. The Apostle Paul had different disciples that were under him. He was a disciple of Jesus. He made other disciples of Jesus. And there was this one man named Demas. And he let the fear of missing out on what the world has to offer him keep him from going after everything that God called him for. 
It says this in 2 Timothy 4.10, for Demas, in love with this present world, right there, in love, if you have your Bible, circle that, highlight it. Demas is in love with this present world, and he has deserted me and gone on to Thessalonica. So he's a disciple of Paul. Imagine this. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of okay that you're here, you know, sitting under me, but imagine that you have the apostle Paul as the person that you're sitting under, and he chooses you to come alongside of him, and he says, I recognize a call of God on your life to be a pastor and a church planner. I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to bring you under my wing. I mean, that's, that's the jackpot. What an incredible call and opportunity Demas had on his life. And Paul pours into him, he vests in him, he teaches him in the ways of God and how to pastor and plant a church. But Demas gets to this point of where he says, my love for the things of the world are greater than my love of the call of Jesus on my life. And so he walks away from being under the Apostle Paul, from planting churches, from proclaiming the gospel in an incredible way, because he loves the things of this world. There were weeds that grew up inside of his heart. His problem wasn't that he didn't have a call. It wasn't that there wasn't opportunity for him. The problem was that he loved the things of this world so much, he was scared of missing out on what the world has to offer him. And that is such a terrible, terrible decision. And this is why it's so bad, because it says in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. What John's saying here is that this whole world, everything that we see around us is passing away. And every desire that comes from this world is a desire that is passing away as well. And it will produce nothing but death and destruction inside of us. Jesus came to free us from these desires. He came to free us from the chains that enslaved us to the desires and the weeds that were growing up inside of our heart. But we have to make that decision or we have that realization on our own and say, God, the desires that you've put inside of me, the desire to live out the life that you've called me to is greater than this fear that I have of missing out on the things that the world has to offer me. And that's a hard decision. And it's not easy to say goodbye to all of the desires of the flesh. It's something you continually work through but it's worth it. Because when you choose to follow after Jesus and his call on your life, when you're willing to make a sacrifice to say, all of these old desires I have, I'm willing to lay them all down so that I can take hold of everything for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me, then life is going to be produced inside of you. There's going to be fruit inside of your life. Other people are going to make decisions to follow Jesus and find the freedom, the hope, the joy, the peace, the healing, the life that comes only from faith in Jesus. That's worth laying your very life down to see that happen in others. It's the model that Jesus set for us. He laid his life down so that we could have that. And it's what we're called to do for others. Following the call of God always produces life inside of us and life inside of those who are around us. But following after the desires of the flesh following the ways of the world, allowing seeds of sin to continue to grow inside of our heart will always produce death and destruction. And it won't just be you that suffers. It will be all of those that God had called you to, 
to pour out his blessing on them and to proclaim how great his love is for them. You see, this life is about so much more than us. We weren't saved just for us. We were saved so that the world might know Jesus. But we have to be willing to get over the fear of missing out on what it is that the world has for us. Philippians 3, 7 through 8 says this. And this is Paul talking. He says, I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Paul was someone that had a lot to lose. He was well-respected. He was well-loved and thought of. He was elevated in the eyes of others. He was progressing down the Pharisee track faster than anyone else ever had. He was the one that everybody else wanted to be. He was a major player. And that decision to follow Jesus cost him all of that. Everything that he had worked his entire life to build, that one decision to follow Jesus meant that he would have to turn away from everything that he had worked for his whole life. And let's be honest, pride, it makes you feel good for a while. When you work really hard and you accomplish something great, it kind of feels good when other people say, wow, look what they did. Good job. What a great work ethic. You have really done something with your life. That feels good to us. And when you decide you're going to do something else, like throw all of that away to go and follow Jesus and what he's called you to, people are like, you're an idiot. Why would you do that? And some people said, now you're a heretic. Now you've denied your faith. You've denied your family. You've denied your heritage and your people. And he went from being someone who had wealth and riches and power. He went from being one of the elite to one of the despised and the rejected. He says that he went to a place now where he's known nakedness, hunger, and cold. Because he wasn't afraid of missing out on anything that this world had to offer him. He was more concerned about the call of Jesus on his life. And because of that, he planted churches, he proclaimed the gospel to the poor and to the kings alike. He wrote most of our New Testament. He was someone that was used mightily by God. There was a hundredfold fruit that was born in the Apostle Paul's life because he was willing to walk away from everything else and say, you know what, these other things that I had accomplished, these other desires that I had, they were nothing. It was all garbage when compared to the infinite value of knowing Jesus. It doesn't even compare. The desires that we have, the things that we're scared to let go of, they mean absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of eternity. What matters is knowing Jesus. What matters is making Jesus known. Because he is the hope of this world. He's the hope of every heart. He's the hope that never disappoints. He is love. He is peace. He's justice. He's joy. He's the redeemer. He's everything that we ever have had need of in this world. He is everything we will ever need. He is our source of identity. He's our protection. He's our provision. This is who Jesus is, and we gain all of these things when we put aside the other things. Why would we ever allow the weeds to grow inside of our heart that keep us from all of these blessings that God has for us? It is worth pulling up every single weed. It is worth saying, I know that it's going to be a sacrifice for me to let go of some of these things that I've loved and some of the desires that I have in my heart. But what I gain is going to be so much more. It's going to be worth it. 
It's an incomparable return that I'll receive for this sacrifice. You go from having death and destruction playing out in your heart to eternal life and knowledge and relationship with God himself. Pull the weeds. Don't be afraid of missing out on that. And then the second thing is that we have the fear of missing out uh, produces in us is the fear of missing out on what God has for us. So not just what the world has for us, but we can actually have a fear of missing out on what God has for us that cripples us and keeps us from doing the things God's called us to. Uh, this is some of us, you know, we're at a place where we have been following Jesus. We made that decision that we were going to let go of all of the things in the world and all those desires and follow Jesus now. But you can still have a fear inside of you that you're going to miss out on the good thing that God has called you to. Uh, this is something that dominated my life in my 20s was I know God has a call on me. I know that there's a plan and a purpose for my life and I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to miss it. I have to work harder. I have to make this happen. And that's what, what produced in me was this constant fear of if I make one mistake, if I don't make the right connection, if I don't meet the right person, if I don't say the right thing, if I don't go to the right place, and then I'm going to completely miss out on everything that God's called me to. And he's just going to look at me like, Jeremy, you fool. You have disappointed me again. And so it made me think, I have to work so hard. I have to make this happen. And constantly, and I was just, I was scared every day of my life. For every opportunity I had, it's like, oh, I don't know if I can do this because then what if that's not what God called me to and I'm going to miss out on it and I'm not going to do what it is or what if I do this when I'm supposed to be doing that. It was something that really was a fear that was inside of me and it can keep you from doing the thing that God has called you to do. But here's the truth of all of this is that God is the one that makes it happen. The call that he has isn't the call that you came up with. It was the call that he has on you and he's the one that's going to lead you into it. You don't have to make it happen. You just have to be obedient. And when you're obedient, God's going to lead you into the fullness of what it is that he's called you to. We make plans all the time. I love in Proverbs 16.9. This is a life-changing verse for me. Probably about the hundredth time I read it, it finally sunk in. It says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We're all planners. We're all schemers. We're always trying to figure out what it is, you know, our 10-year plan and what we're going to do and our 100-year plan because we think we're all going to live to be 120. But that's not the way that it works. It's good to have a plan. It's good to, to just go into it and not just wing it and say, oh, whatever, something will happen. Make a plan, but you have to have the faith that God's the one who's going to direct your steps, that God's the one who's going to get you to the place where you're supposed to go. And where it is that you think that you're going might not be the place that God's taking you. This is the way it worked out for me in my life. At the age of 14, uh, at a, a missions conference, at a dead, small, uh, mainline denominational church, God spoke to me and called me into full-time vocational ministry. First time I heard God speak to me. And so I started thinking, okay, I've got to make this happen now because God's calling me to do this, so I've got to figure this out. And I worked really hard trying to figure out how it was I was going to do it, and I came up with a plan of, you know, I'll be a, a worship music-y kind of a guy. So I went to school and I studied music and philosophy, which is a terrible idea for any of you considering doing that. If you ever want to have a job, do not do that. Because um, I already took the only job available and you're not getting mine. But so I went, I was studying music, and then I got hired into a, a rock band in Tennessee, so I moved down there, and I'm doing that, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I don't know where all of this is leading, but I feel like I'm just going to be obedient to wherever it is that God calls me to, so I'm doing this, and then when I'm in Tennessee, I go to this church, this small little church in the sticks, and I have an encounter with God that changes my life forever in the way that I viewed ministry and what church was supposed to be, 
And I had no idea that God was going to do that to me, but he was preparing me. He was directing my footsteps, even though I had no idea where it was that he was taking me. I was just being obedient to everything he called me to. So I'm doing that thing, and then I get on fire for the local church while I'm down there, which I never thought would happen. And I decide to move back to Michigan in obedience to the call of God in my life, and I become a worship leader. And I think, this is it. Now I understand what it is that God was doing inside of my life. God, what a great plan you had. And then God, after about four or five years of that, says, I want you to quit your job and go volunteer at Radiant Church. I'm like, God, that's a terrible idea. That does not financially make any sense. Career-wise, it doesn't make any sense. I'm on this ministry track. Why on earth would I ever do that? But I'm obedient to what it is that God calls me to, even when I don't understand what it is that he's taking me into. Because I had my plan. I'm trying to look at the pieces. Like, oh, God, I see what you're doing. I got you. Now I can take it from here. But I had no idea what God was doing. And then after about five months of just volunteering at Radiant Church, they hire me. They bring me on staff. And Pastor Lee says, I recognize a call in your life to pastor a church, and so I'm going to train you for four years and then send you out to plant a church. And now I'm like, okay, God, I, now I can look back to the age of 14 and I can see how it is that God got me here. And it's something so much better than I ever could have imagined for myself. It was a plan that was so much better than I ever had for myself. But because I was obedient to what it was that God was calling me to do, he led me into exactly what it was that he had for me. The key wasn't how great my plan was. It wasn't how I made it happen. It was just I was obedient to the voice of God. And as I was obedient, he directed my footsteps. And he took me into the place I was supposed to be in when I was supposed to be there. And I don't know where the end is for me. I hope I do this till the day I die. May it be a long time from now. But this could be a part of the, the training process and the plan that God has for me to do something else. I have no idea. And none of us do. And that's part of the fun of the Christian faith, this walk with God. Is that with, Why do we like roller coasters? Because you're not in control. And there's that moment where you're scared and you're elated all at the same time and you're not sure what's going to happen. That's what the Christian walk is. Knowing that we don't exactly know how it's going to work out or where God's taking us. But when we're obedient to him, we don't have to be scared of missing out on his call in our life. When we're obedient, he's the one that directs us. He's the one that establishes our footsteps. You don't have to be scared. But then what happens is sometimes you're walking in what it is that God's called you to do. And we start looking around. Like You feel great. Like, oh God, you were so good. I see where you were taking me. I'm doing what it is that you call me to do in this season of my life. And, and you're feeling good about it, and then you start looking around at what some of the other people are doing, and you're like, oh, what the heck? What's going on over there? It's like kids. You ever notice how kids, when they go there and they're, they're playing with a toy, and they're so content, and they're so happy with that toy, and then they look at the kid next to them and what they're playing with, and then they don't want what they have in their hand anymore. They want what the kid next to them has. Like, I'm missing out on something better. That person has a better toy than me. So they go, they fight, they cry, they scream, they grab it, and then they have that toy, and they're so happy, and then they look and they see what this kid over here has. What I have doesn't look so good anymore. And so now I've got to go and I've got to pursue that because I'm missing out on something greater. They're making a bigger kingdom impact than I am. They have a greater gift than the one that God gave me. And we do that all the time. I mean, remember a couple weeks ago we were praying for David Perkins who planted Radiant Church in Kansas City? And we're like, God, we pray that you'd show up and that you'd do amazing things and all this stuff. You know how many people he had at his first service? 726 people. 726 people. It's taken us four years to get to 200. And I'm looking like, so I got, I'm like, oh God, I love the call in my life and what you're doing in Radiant Church. What does David have over there? What are you talking, 726? 
God, am I just terrible at what I do? God, what? what? I need what David has. You start thinking, maybe I'm just not as gifted as David. He's just a better leader. He's more anointed. He's a better teacher. I don't know what he's doing. He has beer and hot wings at church. Something's going on. (laughs) And you start thinking, what I'm doing isn't significant. I'm not good at what I do. I'm not being used greatly by God. But here's what you have to keep in mind. You weren't responsible for your call. God is. You didn't choose what he called you to. You didn't choose the gifting that he gave you. That was his choice. You didn't choose the platform and the influence that he would give you. That was God's doing. The only thing that we ever have to do is be obedient to the call of God in our life. And don't look to the left or to the right to compare. You just look to the left and right to celebrate what it is that God's doing in other people and all around the world. And be thankful for what it is that God's doing in your life. This is something we all deal with. In 2 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, Oh, don't worry. We don't dare to say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. How ignorant. See, we don't compare ourselves to other people. If we do that, do I compare myself to David Perkins? Does David Perkins compare himself to Craig Rochelle, who has 100,000 people in his church? Does Craig Rochelle compare himself to Dr. Cho, who has over a million people in his church? What's the standard that we use? It says that when we compare ourselves to each other, that's not even the standard that we're supposed to be comparing ourselves to. So it's ignorant, it's foolish, it's stupid. Why would you ever do that? The standard that we compare ourselves to is have we been obedient to the call of God in our life? And if you've done that, then you've done everything that you can. And you should celebrate what it is that God's doing in your life. If you've led one person to Jesus or if you've led a million people to Jesus, celebrate what it is that God's done inside of your life. Celebrate the gift that he's given you. If you're someone that your gift is you're brewing coffee on a Sunday morning before church or if your gift is that you're an apostle planting churches all over the world and leading healing ministries, that's great. It doesn't make one better than the other. They're both people who are being obedient to what it is that God's called them to. And every single person, when we recognize the call of God in our life, to bear fruit, we get rid of the weeds, we don't care about missing out on the death and destruction the world has to offer, we're not worried about missing out on what it is that God's called us to because we have to make it happen ourselves, when we're not so busy comparing ourselves to other people around us that it makes us despise who we are and our gift and our call, then we can really do something for the kingdom. And every single person has a role to play. You were created to do good works in Christ Jesus before the foundations of the earth were laid. And it says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. You be faithful. Moody, who was one of the greatest evangelists this nation has ever seen, he went to work for his uncle who owned a shoe factory. And his uncle was a man who loved Jesus and he invested in Moody. He prayed for him. He took him to church with him. He spoke truth and life and encouragement to him. He was obedient to the call of God on his life. And eventually, Moody ended up making a decision to follow Jesus. And that might be the only person his uncle ever led to Jesus. Who knows? But Moody went on to reach millions. What if his uncle hadn't been faithful and obedient to the call of God on his life? What if he'd said, God, I'm just running a shoe factory this isn't important. What am I supposed to do? I've got to do something more important. I've got to do what David Perkins is doing over there. He would have missed out on the call of God in his life. 
and millions of people would have suffered for it. Don't compare yourself. Don't make it happen on your own. And don't let your love for the desires of this world that is passing away keep you in fear of missing out. Because the heart of a father is that he wants to give. He's not trying to keep things back from us. He's here to give to us. We just have to be obedient. You guys all stand with me and let's pray this morning. The Holy Spirit knows our hearts and he speaks to us. This morning I believe there are those of you here where there's some weeds that have been growing in your life and you've been afraid to follow Jesus and his call on you because you don't want to miss out on what the world has. There's been some love for the world and the things of the world in your heart. This morning, we just ask God to reveal that to you. If there's some area that you need to submit to him, there's something you need to let go of to pursue the call of Jesus. And God doesn't reveal these things to bring condemnation and shame to you. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. He says that this thing that's in your life isn't good, it's sin. And it's keeping you from me. It's keeping you from my call for you. It's keeping others from being blessed. And you need to leave it behind so that you can live out everything that you were created for. This morning, if, if God's been revealing that to you, then the proper response of our hearts is repentance. And that means we turn away from that sin and we turn fully to God. We say, God, forgive me for this sin. I'm leaving it behind. But God, I need your strength to do this. I need you to pull this weed up by the root so that it doesn't keep coming back. God, I need you to give me the strength and the courage to leave this behind. Because I don't want anything keeping me from my relationship with you. I don't want anything to keep me from knowing you. I don't want anything to keep me from living out your call in my life. And if that's you, then this morning, just pray with me. Say, God, thank you for your love. God, thank you that you're so gracious. Father, I ask that you would forgive this sin in my life. God, that you would restore me to relationship with you. God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you strengthen me? Would you remake my heart? Would you fill me with faith to follow after you? Would you fill me with strength to resist temptation? Because Jesus, from this day forward, I'm following after you. Come and make me clean. Come and make me your child. Lead me into the fullness of all that you have for me today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.